This is Sean yeah. from Gimmick.com's podcast coming at you live from uh, our home gym. We got Russell Cunningham, the Sultan of Stoke. Woo! Out in Washington <laughs> State from the Mobile Care Quorum Office. Oh, mobile Care Quorum Office. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Russell, uh, welcome to the show. It's always a pleasure to, to see your face and, and your hairy beard and all the greatness about your beauty. And uh, look at your, you have great, better weather than we have. You got blue skies in Washington. Oh, dude, it's sick. Yeah, it's like beautiful. It's a perfect day, actually. I, I don't know why I'm not out climbing Mount Rainier right now. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Dude, it'd be like such, it's such a good corn cycle right now. Oh, we had yeah. um, pretty good precipitation about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was really cold two weeks ago. And so then it got really warm last week, but overnight it's getting really cold still so i think the um well actually it's probably still a little chilly for like high altitude good volcano corn it's probably bulletproof on the upper mountain <laughs> yeah yeah It'd probably be like really scary right now but um yeah maybe like 10 more degrees of spring warmth i think we're getting pretty close to like steeps time oh yeah you know oh i'm so envious and appreciative of it right i personally i've been uh I chose to like lock down uh, middle of March, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, I have a lot of friends that are nurses and doctors and I just didn't want to add to their stress by me being a recreational person making mm-hmm. questionable decisions sometimes. And then also mm-hmm. being a leader of uh, you know, you're part of the backcountry community in a very large way. And we got a group out mm-hmm. here with like 8,000 people in it. So it's really easy to, uh, to post something or have major influence over people. And you, Right. Lead by example, like hopefully doing the right thing. Yeah. I've had a lot of conflicting thoughts around it. And I, I think like it's, um, it's a damn interesting period we're living through, you know, yeah. I think like, yeah, I think on the topic of like outdoor activities, um, you know, it's like so far we haven't gone like full, government intervention like right now i was just emailing with one of our ambassadors uh julian harry and he's in chamonix and right now they have um police helicopters flying through the alps catching people going mountain climbing and and swooping down and arresting them and plucking them off high elevation glaciers and taking them to prison it's like holy shit that's next level you know i mean i'd be like yeah it's you know, this is a really serious situation, but at the same time, like outdoor activities are really, really good for people. And I think from a public health standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to me to just ban outdoor activities mm-hmm. from a population standpoint. But um, selfishly, I think like it's totally still possible to go do things outdoors and be mindful of the situation you know like yeah don't need to go build a road gap in session (laughs) baker road gap but like you know i think getting out for a little walk in the snow when you're still not touching other people yeah um, key part yeah i don't know it's it's complicated isn't it oh it's so tricky oh you know i'm I'm glad we're openly talking about because i'm so conflicted too because you know me i'm in the mountains three days a week if i'm not I'm an asshole, right? That's my job. I, I take people to the mountains. I test gear in the mountains. I, I break shit in the mountains. I train for the mountains. I got, I got a mountain fitness course. Like, wrote the book on splitboarding. It's right there, like, next to your J.P. Roberts awesome artwork, you know? Like, that's what we yeah. do, right? So, you know, but uh, I guess the beautiful part of it is um, 
I like suffering also, which sounds really horrible, but you know, like suffer fest, but this is like a new kind of suffer fest. Oh, so my dog wants to say hello. There's Riley. Yeah. <laughs> and um, well, so yeah. I think going without something, like I don't do Lent, I'm not religious, but like this is like super Lent, right? Like we give up, I give up the mountains and I gave up my recreation. Um, it makes me more appreciative and grateful because now my wife and I spend every moment together. She's got her yeah. home office on the other side of this wall. I'm in, in my office in the fitness center here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's groovy. I dig it. I get to talk to people like you way more often because we're like, what's the Zoom? People have time. They yeah. have time, yeah. And yeah. Um, makes, I, I think it makes us all appreciate what we have and what we will have again. Um, but yeah, I miss it. I really wish, like, you have a great setup there. That That is Oh, awesome. dude, yeah. We're lucky because if it's nice weather with our tiny cabin, like, we have infinite space. It's right. when, the, when the weather, like, locks right down, we're, it sometimes can get a little cabin fevery, but. I bet. Yeah. Well, I yeah. want to take a break about that. I, you know, Neversmer yeah. started making tiny homes. And right before the lockdown here in Denver, like, hey, come grab this tiny home to go take to the mountains. Never Summer did? Yeah. Can you believe that? Wow. Oh, I know, right? Cool. Yeah, Vince and the guys were like, hey, Sean, come grab this. Do the exclusive engagement video review on it. it. I'll send you a link. It's gorgeous. I, you would get a kick out of it. I'd like to see what you think about it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you have any secrets on how to be a married couple with a dog and a tiny home? Yeah, you have to really like your spouse. <laughs> Hey, that's a, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Rebecca and I do really well with it, I think, because we struck gold with each other in a way. Like, our temperaments mm-hmm. are really compatible. Um, you know, think back to, like, previous relationships. There's, like, no way in hell. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it right. totally, totally depends. Um, but also, you know, like, you kind of have to just, like, fully dedicate yourself to it. Um, you know, when we first moved into the tiny house, there was like some, you know, a little anxiety, like, shit, is this going to work? Like, is this just going to be like permanent camping and kind of pov- like feel like poverty and just kind of unhealthy. But yeah, um, those, you know, the minute I had a hot shower running and like we got hot running water, I was like, okay shit's, <laughs> shit's, shit's gonna work dude like, yeah that was yeah. The, the last piece of uh, of comfort right there and it worked yeah hot shower there's something about a hot shower if you don't have that it's not a real house good you point know? yeah good yeah, point and a comfortable bed yeah that makes a big difference yeah we um, have a king size like tempurpedic in there so it's like just full full stretch full sprawl so it's that's great tiny house but we got some like some pretty good um we overcompensate for, for space. <laughs> right. That's some good priorities to have. You're going to spend a lot of time in bed doing a lot of things. It's good to have a good one. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I, um, I was trying to think. I, I just got sent from Yakima. They just acquired a company that makes these mobile water, uh, solar showers, basically, right? So I have like yeah. a four-gallon steel tube on the side of my Forerunner. And it's funny because it actually got cold here this week, and I was camping on Sick. this deck yeah it was beautiful snow and i didn't realize it but i made a four gallon icicle so like it's starting to melt i'm driving in to uh to some place today to the store and it's just like this horrible loud clanking sound as i'm going over bumps can you imagine how big of a cylinder how dense that icicle is but, damn yeah but yeah. it's got this cool little hose attachment on it so then we can have you know a hot shower when we're camping mm-hmm. that's important cool thing. man what do you do for power like do you use solar Oh, did I freeze on you? I froze. 
Nope. Yep. There we anyway. go. There Technology. We go. <laughs> All good. So uh, I was asking, do you use solar on your tiny home? Um, not yet. We are wired for it and we have a dual battery deep cycle system. Um, and right now we just charge it off of the grid but we could totally just put a solar system up there and plug it right in. It's all, so all set up for it. I think at this point we're, um, the only excuse is laziness. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. that's, honest. that's great. Yeah. Um, there's so much I don't know about solar. I know, I know solar for like recharging headlamps and little gadgets, but solar for a, a tiny home, uh, where do you even start? Yeah. Like, what do you look for? Um, so the, really cool thing about the tiny house is um already even though we're on the grid from a uh, power consumption standpoint the only thing that we are is that wind really loud in your end by the way no not at all it's a little windy here um the only thing we're really drawing a lot of power on i think is our traditional refrigerator mm, yeah. um other than that you know our stove is um plug-in propane our hot water is on the on the fly propane um all the lighting in there is leds Smart. and we have um usb plugins in the walls so we just yeah. plug our plug our phones or whatever into it so it just charges on the spot um so our, our power consumption is really really low all things considered yeah, uh, yeah i do have a computer in there but we don't leave it on all the time um water consumptions i think probably lower than a normal house I assume so, uh, yeah. It's been really cool, man. I think our environmental footprint's dramatically reduced. Um, the only thing I do now I think that's like damaging is this this damn thing. A runner. Um, Look at that. Yeah. So it's a gas burner, but oh but yeah, what? the plan is it's gonna be the last gas vehicle I own. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that forerunner. I'm a forerunner fan myself. <laughs> yeah. You know. So you're an enthusiast. A little bit. They get the job done, but yours is yours is bad. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, yeah. What do yeah. you got going on to that thing? So it's uh, it's like, oh, here's Kinsey. What's up, Kinsey? Uh, Say hello to Ken Gearman. Hey, Kinsey. Ken, have you met Kinsey? I'm not sure you've met Kinsey. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, no, the runners, the runners, sick, dude. It's um, it's uh, yeah. Like, what do you, what do you want to know? I mean, it's it's kind of my. Uh, everything like do you have a supercharger on that one yeah so it's got a so it's a 1993 forerunner with a um, engine conversion to a, a toyota 3.4 liter v6 um with the trd supercharger and then i threw in a seventh fuel injector the whole drivetrain has been completely re rebuilt um upgraded transmission with um an older style gear driven transfer case. So um, basically it's like mechanical four wheel drive that I don't have to worry about electrical systems breaking. So I just literally pull a lever and it's in four by four. Um, it's got a long arm kit up front. So it's long traveled. What? Um, yeah. Here I'll show it to you. Yeah. yeah. I'm really curious about that part. Yeah. Awesome. Just got the uh, winch all set up, so that's been kind of nice. Have a little bit more time, so I got we'll come up winch. Look at got that! Loads of ground clearance. Oh. It fucking screams too. It'll do like 100 miles an hour, easy. 
Uh, I hit 85 one time in Texas. That was scared the shit out of me. So I just rebuilt this rear end. I did this like modular bumper system. Can you see that? Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. Oh, it's like, Mad Max. I thought I was going was like, um, shit, shit, ton of clearance under the rear. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then I went with this like Wilco off-road swing out tire carrier. Nice, nice. So, yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool, man. It's uh, it's really designed to be like snowboarder's truck to smash mm -hmm. through as deep of snow as possible. Yeah. Uh, but also just nerd out because off roading is fun <laughs> as hell. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. I dig yeah, that. So that's the truck, man. That's nice, man. I mine's a stock TRD 2018. With a yeah. lot of gear in it, a lot of gear. Fifth, fifth gen. Yeah, fifth, yeah, fifth generation. Highly capable rig, man. Yeah, for sure. I, I've only mm -hmm. got stuck once, and it was this year. And I was, I was on a snow road, and I was, um, I got out of the way for some sledders to get past me, and I just went off and just got stuck. Oh but, sure. You know, about, about twenty you minutes. A, you got a, a rear locker in there, right? I think so. Yeah, I got yeah, out on my own. Big deal. Yeah, more than more than anything, I'm always towing people out like i got two sets of toe straps people where we like to go splitboarding are always getting stuck every time i go yeah. camping on a friday night i just am waiting with my toe straps and a drink in my hand knowing that somebody <laughs> from out of state is going to try and drive up the road and really shouldn't and i'll be yeah. like please don't do that i don't want to tell you please don't do that i'm gonna go for it all right yeah <laughs> five minutes later pull them out no i'm stuck i just put on this uh this nine thousand pound winch so that Jeez. i feel like yeah finally makes it legit but yeah you are yeah good. uh chat snowboarding how's your season been you know it was a great season um it ended a little bit early obviously for everybody but yeah. um it's been a lot of fun I've, I've enjoyed uh i love seeing the stuff at or those new skins you guys have are i'm just cannot yeah. wait about that um yeah what else um never summer stuff uh working with them on the new swift for next year they made me an Adam 165 wide sweet cool. board. Yeah, I know it's not probably your guys' style because it has a little bit of rocker, but um, West like the look, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. real good in powder, real good turn initiation. Uh, what else has been good? I got the new 32 boots. I don't know if you saw that. Cool. Yep. 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 A, a lot of stuff on there I think you would like. Some things that probably mm -hmm. aren't necessary, but um, other than yeah. that, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, Nothing too crazy. I don't do a crazy lens. In fact, this year I got a nickname called Mild Salsa. Cause I like, <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, all right, I'll own Not it. Not even so. medium salsa? Oh, yeah, I know, shit. right? Not chunky, corn, mango? Yeah. But uh, it's true. I, I'm all about uh, having fun in the mountains, taking friends up or going solo and just yeah. charging the soul and just being present. So yeah, nothing hit list wise, nothing monumental. It's just beautiful days yeah. in the mountains with friends. How about you, man? Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird year. Um, it's, um, see, I had a funny, had a, like a knee injury in the fall, hmm. um, had a meniscus tear. So Ooh. that was a little bit. So my lift riding this year was really minimal. Mm -hmm. um, which has been an interesting change because, like, I'd say like I was super splitboard mountaineering focused for like forever, and yeah. then the past i'd say like four seasons i've been like kind of went back to the drawing board and like wanted to focus on um just pure snowboarding and get get back into the game of like 
like really like kind of training for snowboarding and like, sure. get, you know, really like see if I can still progress and become a stronger, better rider. And I think the answer to that question was yes. You know, so, um, yes, um, definitely shredding a lot of chairlifts since this past four years. Um, but still, still touring in there, but mm -hmm. I think my, um, my priorities have shifted a little bit, you know, like, um, I'm not as focused on like really dangerous riding, yeah. which I think is good. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot to live for in life. And I, I think like picking and choosing lines that are sustainable versus maybe not quite so sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, that's been an interesting transition and I'm having a little bit of an identity crisis around it I bet, <laughs> like, yeah like oh man you're just turning into a big pussy <laughs> you know but um you're American. i don't know like just so this season i just focused on skinning a ton and um really really just pushing the fitness side of it um and honestly the weird thing about working in the industry is like everybody knows me yeah and so being like a mild introvert it kind of freaks me out sometimes <laughs> I respect so, the heck out of that for sure. I've just been like wearing black and going solo skinning a ton. Yeah. Um, and I did get like a couple pretty sick lines this year. Um, my boy Colin at Karakoram and I, we went and rode this really cool, like 50 plus degree spine off of like this variation off of some local terrain. Wow. Maybe, maybe like six weeks ago at this point or yeah, five weeks ago. Oh yeah, you sent me a picture of that. We we're gonna meet up that day and chat, and you're like, "Here's where I am." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, um, I had a pretty funny little failure. There's this one um, terrain feature that um, it's called the Snot Snot Kular off Snoqualmie Mountain. So there's this real famous line called the Slot Kular, mm -hmm. and then the one below it's called the Snot, also known as Snot Slot. Um, so it's nicknamed Snot. So anyway, like there's this photograph I've always wanted to get of a, a snowboarder on this headwall. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like this probably 50, it's probably just a solid 50 degrees. Probably not steeper than that, but there's some exposure below. And um, we went up there this one day and I was like, all right, you guys, we're going to post up proper, proper foot photographer. We had like our buddy Matt Pugh up there with like a big camera and, tripod and everything is like all right so we're supposed to up and you go ride the line so then i got into it it turned out to be like fucking bulletproof <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> so bad this is like oh no this is really not good so um had an interesting reminder about like decision making and paying attention to details like because it would have been the snow was weird that day like visually the conditions look good Mm -hmm. but I have enough experience at this point to know not to just dive into headwalls without really doing a couple setup turns to like really feel it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that was, that was good. Cause I, I went in on my heel edge and got one turn in and it just like flipped to like really pretty serious conditions. Like it would have been several hundred foot fall thing. But anyway, it was like interesting, like to, have to transition to crampons and climb back out of the thing. Oh, so, humbling. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like that mountaineering shit's fun, dude. Like, even though it's sketchy and like technical, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's a fun game, you know? 
it's def- definitely nothing better than like bombing down a line in perfect stable snow though you know yeah, yeah. I, I like mild salsa you like crampons yeah <laughs> it's changing for me though i'm, I'm changing i will yeah. say my buddy bagels um he he managed to uh, again this goes back to the the ethics discussion about whether mm-hmm. or not we should be out in the mountains right now and um, way up north in the wilds of Washington State, the attitudes are a little different than they are down here in the Seattle area. So, had a couple friends tag a really, really big line on a certain peak in the North Cascades a few days ago, and uh, he sent me some photos, and I was just like, "Oh, god damn it! I'm so jelly. <laughs> like, oh." What, what am I doing with myself? I'm just blowing it here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Well, I totally feel you on that. You know, I actually have a background to remind me sometimes. I'll put it up. It's one of my favorite places ever. And I think you'll know it. Boom. Oh, sick. Yeah. I uh, know that. Woo! That's, uh, you know, very um, lower courtesy, glacierish looking to me. Yeah. yeah. Sick. That was yeah. a that was a good time. I I miss that. Let's actually go back to that. There's a big face in there. I want to. Oh yeah, we go back. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, hit that. Put that image up again, real quick. You got it, man. Boom. Uh, I don't know if you can see where I'm pointing. Maybe. So basically, right behind your head mm-hmm. is a big wall. That's yeah. This guy here. I don't know if you can see where I'm pointing. <laughs> You're scratching. This is like, it's a big, um, clean looking ramp. Yeah, and um, it's almost two thousand oh, feet. Yeah, I look, I look back there to look at it. And it's not there over here. I'm like, oh, where is that? It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dense yeah. sometimes, right? Hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know that guy, right? There, yeah, there, got it. I, I was looking so forward to seeing you guys out there at Baker, and then we had the front range, yeah, of course. Dude. Yeah, it is. You know, it is. Mm. We made the right call. Yeah, it's, I was talking to Bob, and mm-hmm. um, it was Bob. Bob and I really were the uh, kind of corresponding factor there that I think finally got it to be canceled mm-hmm. um, or the first decision was to delay it. Yeah. Um, it was the right call, man. Like oh, it's, for sure. it's a serious fucking virus that's actually killing people for real. And you yep. know, the other thing um, I guess it'd be a funny segue into physiology or something, but yeah. But, um, reading up a lot on the pathophysiology of this virus. It's really interesting, actually. Yeah. Let's really interesting. That. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk to my, my friends who are nurses and stuff. And I'm always picking their brains like, this is really, I'm really curious about this, how it mutates, how it you know, affects the lungs and yeah. like, how they treat it. With, yeah, let's talk about this because let's talk. Yeah. So I think, I think for me, the most important message for younger mountain type people that might want to be rebelling against the situation mm-hmm. is, um, so for, in exercise physiology, the concept of VO2 max is a really cr- critically important factor for your ability to climb mountains. Like you need, you mm-hmm. need to be able to consume oxygen to do mechanical work. And so the problem with COVID-19 is if you end up with any kind of like, you know, like serious illness, even if it doesn't kill you, you have a, a high risk of permanent lung injury. Right. So it it basically it kills it kills the alveolar cells 
And when those cells are killed off, they're not replaced. They're replaced with scar tissue. So mm. you're, instead of having like microscopic sacs that are performing gas exchange, blowing off CO2, pulling in oxygen, you now have essentially like chunks of leather that aren't doing anything. So that's my, that's my whole thing about not catching this damn virus is it's like, right. I got a lot of mountains to climb. I can't be fucking with that. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm with you. Selfishly, yeah. that's why I don't want to either. You know, I was thinking like trying to find the silver lining. You know, my, both my parents passed last year and I was their caretaker. And I was like, I wouldn't be able to go visit them right now, you know? So I'm kind of glad they're not around for this. And, you know, a lot of older people are going to not do as well as younger people. But still, like your point is very valid. Even if you do get through it, the damage you might sustain in your yeah. lung, it's going to take a lot out of your life moving forward. To give you a, a, a numerical idea, like VO2 max, you know, the average untrained sedentary male would have a VO2 of around 40, mm-hmm. maybe even worse than that, depending. Mm-hmm. Um, like average, like semi-fit people, you might be around 50. Mm-hmm. Um, what they get into like elite fitness is like 55 and above. Mm-hmm. And then there's like super elites, which are like, people in the 70s and above when I, when I say these numbers it's uh milliliters of oxygen consumed per kilogram of body weight per minute mm-hmm. and fittest i've ever been able to get is around 60 65 milliliters nice. and i was like when i was doing a lot of trail running and mountain biking mm-hmm. and if you get a lung injury even if you lose like five five milliliters of capacity per kilogram per minute um that translates into a dramatic slowdown of your uphill travel capacity. Oh yeah. Would yeah. You think in your case, that'd be 12% if you. Yeah. 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 So That's significant. Aerobic, aerobic fitness, you know? Yeah. Um, so yes. Yeah. So that's for me, that's, that's been the most important message with this virus. Like, you know, you've got like a one to 3% chance of being killed by it. If you're old, older than 40, mm-hmm. um, Younger than 40, you probably won't get killed by it, but you could get seriously ill mm-hmm. and it could still really screw with you. you know, so. Absolutely. That's a good yeah. takeaway. Yeah, I'll definitely highlight in the, in the show notes. You yeah. know, I, I always enjoy talking with you about this kind of stuff. I remember three years ago, we were chatting about some really interesting stuff about um, your, one of your, your people you recommended, the doctor, about Graylin, leptin, fat loss, and hunger, yeah. and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Really interesting stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that topic's really interesting. It doesn't doesn't ever fail to become not interesting. I agree. I, or, or it doesn't ever become not interesting. Um, I was actually strangely. I was. Um, are you familiar with the PBS PBS broadcasting, like the network PBS? Like. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so you know the show Frontline, PBS yeah. Frontline. Mm-hmm. They have. Um, in 2016, they released an episode called, uh, I think it's called The Truth About Fat. And if you get a chance to watch it, I really recommend it. It's the only public um, kind of media programming I've ever seen that actually does a pretty justifiable job of summarizing you know the real physiology behind america's obesity problem and it's it's so complicated and it's so much more complicated than just exercising calories yeah you know, exactly example, exercise i mean strange this is so, so contrary to every i got it pulled up right here i'm gonna put that in my show notes 
And um, yeah, uh, the truth about fat, Nova special. Got Pure right body here. weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. I'm gonna put that in my show notes. I got it right here. Uh, the Nova Truth About Fat. Um, I'll yep. put that in there. Cool. Yeah, no, yeah, not Frontline is Nova. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Right. Cool. I'm the same one. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's fascinating because after I talked to you about that, what three or four years ago, I um I started training some people through a bariatric program at the local hospital here. Oh, yeah, and so that was a you yeah. know it's a whole different mechanism what they're going through, right? Yeah. The gradient and leptin is different. Carb dumping, how they process and assimilate things. Uh, yeah. so our talk really helped spark that. And I, I went through there, you don't just walk in as a fitness professional and get to talk to these people. You have to get vetted. I, I had journals to study and I became like the official trainer for Denver for that hospital, for that. Demographic. Well, yeah, it was done. great. It was such yeah. a rewarding thing. Everybody, I worked with eight people that year, each one of them between the surgeries, the new nutrition and the fitness over 120 pounds. And more important than that, they were able to do stuff that they never thought possible. Like climb up a mountain, not like what we're doing, but like up a hill and have a sandwich and cry. And yeah. hug. It was beautiful, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the body's the amazing. Thing is, it's really, I mean, the, the bariatric surgery stuff I find really fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. Strangely, um, some of the newest research shows that, so there's a certain type of bariatric surgery they perform where they remove the top half of the stomach tissue strangely enough that is a specific tissue that produces ghrelin yes so the question then becomes what's the mechanism for weight loss and the easy answer is oh well it's fewer calories because they can't consume as many calories however it turns out through long-term statistics that um fuel partitioning through changes in metabolic pathways are really the main most powerful mechanism for weight regulation over long periods. And so if you're, let's say you run a big study on obesity um, and you do ghrelin, ghrelin assays, blood work on all these people, um, the research shows most of the time they have hugely elevated ghrelin and that's even with, even with proper nutrition. So they're not yeah. actually starving to death, their brain thinks that it is. Yep. So if your whole body is just programmed for fat storage because your hormones are totally fucked, mm -hmm. then, yeah. um, then you're screwed. It like doesn't even matter how hard you work on your diet. Like you're just screwed. So yeah. the fascinating thing is this uh, bariatric surgery, um, they're removing the tissue that produces ghrelin. And so they think now that that is actually the, mo the more powerful signal in the system to get people to lose a hundred pounds of weight, you know? Yeah. So there's really interesting stuff now coming out. They're working on a ghrelin vaccine. They're going to see if they can use the immune system to sort of trick the body into wiping out, let's say half of its ghrelin production on its own. So, oh, wow. So yeah. Obesity research is really nuts, but it is. It's, and I'm glad we can talk about this because yeah. it's, it's interesting being a fitness professional and how many people in this profession don't understand how hormones play a huge role behind the scenes. Like you said, it's not calories in, calories out. It's not 3,500 calories equals one pound. That's not paper. Right. Right? That's not how things really work in the real world. There's some other factors. I mean, it's like calories are obviously the end. They're the very, very end of the chain in the the system and like calories are definitely important but what people need to realize is like your daily caloric consumption isn't necessarily your choice you know mm -hmm. it's what your 
physiology is telling your brain to do. Mm-hmm. And if your brain is like totally out of whack and in a starvation shutdown mode, then you, of course you're going to overeat and consume more calories than you're burning. And yeah. that obviously leads to weight gain. On the flip side, there's people that are what they call um, weight resistant. And I forget, uh, I did know at one point that there's a series of genes, but there's a segment of the population, I think it's about 15 to 20% of the population that physically doesn't ever gain weight. Like, and the reason for it isn't because of their lifestyle, it's because of their genetic makeup and how that interacts with their endocrine system. So it's interesting. I'd be really cool. Well, I'm not one of those people. (laughs) You know what? I might be though. I'm always 205 pounds, no matter what I do, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, Very similar builds, right? My whole family though was morbidly obese, 350 to 400 pounds, right? They could look at a cheesecake and gain weight. I ate cheesecake last night. Like, (laughs) I think I don't gain weight, which is fine. I I have the same waist I've had since junior high. I'm not trying to brag. It's just, but also I'm very active, you know? Like, you and I are very active people. We're very conscious with what we do. Right. but yeah, there's a lot more to it than just burning calories, breaking a sweat, yeah. crushing the gym, like a lot more. Yeah. Fitness is interesting. I, I've noticed that um, with the, over the past two years, I've, I've been bonking more than I used to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had that experience at all. I think I'm having to, maybe it just has to do with getting a little older, being 35 and not 25. Oh, so old. Yeah. So old. But, <laughs> like I actually have to make sure I take food with me now. Yeah. Cause like there's been a couple days where I'll, you know, like last year I went and did this, um, just like solo sprint up to the slot cooler and just like sprinted out 5,000 vertical as hard as I could, like redlining the whole damn time and got back to the truck and I was feeling good, feeling good. And then all of a sudden I fell off this cliff and I'm in the parking lot in my, in my truck, just taking deep breaths cause I'm having these waves of nausea. And then all of a sudden I like shoot out the side of my truck and I'm just like puking into the snowbank. And like, I was like, damn, maybe I went a little too hard today. <laughs> like, holy <laughs> shit, you know? Yeah. Felt a lot better after I puked though. So. Oh, I bet. I bet. You know, um, <laughs> that's, I can relate a little bit. I, I definitely need a lot of calories. Um, I do intermittent fasting most days, um, just strictly for cognitive benefit. Like I, I wake up before and I can just crush writing and work. But if I'm going to go do something physical, mountain stuff we do, or a heavy strength training session, it definitely benefits me to have some fuel in the tank, for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm also noticing um, this is, you know, contrary to what a lot of people believe, but um, high glycemic carbohydrates, mm-hmm. um, specifically timed around higher intensity exercise. Um, I think, you know, I got into a conversation a few weeks back, somebody who was trying to convince me that an all meat diet was like the way to go for athletic performance. Hey, I like and, meat, but that doesn't work that way. Right. And I just mentioned, I was like, you know, like if you take exercise physiology 101, you learn about your fuel systems. And one of the most important systems for high octane performance is your anaerobic glycolysis. And so the only way your body is going to allow, well, let me put it, let me phrase that. The only way your brain is going to allow your body to produce very high heart rate activities. Mm-hmm. Think of it this way. You've got this nerve, nerve bundle coming from your midbrain down to your heart. And so your brain has a direct 
control over how your maximal heart rate. Mm -hmm. One of the benefits of high intensity training is you can train your neuroendocrine system to allow your heart rates to go higher and higher. Mm -hmm. So you can tap into higher intensities in exercise. But the only way your brain allows that to happen is if it has a strong anaerobic system. And this is your, your gly glycolytic system. And anaerobic glycolysis is essentially, it's how your cells produce ATP in the absence of oxygen. Yes, enzyme triphosphate. Yep. It only, it only works with carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Fats and lipids ju just do not, you can't, you can't create ATP through glycolysis on fats. So that's a, that's one thing I, you know, I think for athletic trainers, you know, guys like you, I think this is a really important thing is carbohydrates are really absolutely 100% your best friend for, if you're an athlete, like, yeah. and I'm not saying like, you should just go eat nothing but pancakes. It's not, not it at all, but if you can tap into strategic use of high glycemic carbs, one thing I've done is um, on my mountain biking lately where mm -hmm. I'll be like, you know, normal training, I'll be kind of punching into zone two for like baseline aerobic work. But if I'm trying to kind of increase my anaerobic threshold, um, I'll be punching into like zone three, zone four, and then here and there's zone five. And what I'll do is, I'll kind of carb up right before the, the workout. And then every 45 minutes, I'll try to consume about a hundred calories of something like, you know, like honey, you know? Yeah. And personally I've noticed like it's a fundamental shift in not just how I feel, but my performance. Like if I do my heart rate analysis, like I can function at a higher heart rate the entire workout. And this is like, three to four hour bike ride you know yeah um yeah that's good feedback you know i get in this conversation quite often because in my profession a lot of the people train for the gym <laughs> and i'm like okay cool whatever that's good mm -hmm. on you you and i people like us that listen to the show training for outdoors right yeah. we want to function out there i don't care about a 45 minute hit class i want to function in a blizzard on top of a mountain <laughs> you know have fun yeah yeah that's, that's our fun place, right? And to do that, food, like, which is why I, I'm on board with my friends from Four Points. You know, they have some great bars and there's carbohydrates. And every time we're sampling bars, somebody who's uh, keto will come up, well, I do keto. And I'm like, I'm, I'm great. Good for you. You shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It's, yeah. That's great for like seizures and epilepsy and stuff. But like, you want to do it for fat loss and you have other issues possibly to talk about. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Food, fuel, real food, real fuel. Often, yeah, uh, that's how we get the job done. It's got an accumulative effect too on your fitness. If you think about it this way, mm -hmm. um, you have um, kind of what they call um, an energy bank mm -hmm. in your whole metabolic system, and it's not just how many stored calories you have, it's about how many. Well, so obviously, there's stored calories in the form of glycogen in your muscle cells and your liver, and then there's also stored calories in your adipose tissue, mm -hmm. but there's also the, um, the endocrine energy bank so to speak if your brain has been trained to feel secure through exercise over a long period of time and then all of a sudden you find yourself let's say way up on Mount Rainier and you ran out of food six hours ago a storm has locked you down it's blowing like hell 
you're in a real survival situation, the, the person that's going to do better is somebody who kind of has metabolically prepared. And right. that doesn't mean like get, you know, like loaded up on, you know, get your body fat super high so you can survive long starvation periods. It's more like what kind of energy bank your nervous system can tap into. If you're already tapping into your deep reserves on a regular basis, and then you throw yourself into a survival situation, you can, you fucked. Like (laughs) plainly put, you're fucked. Yeah. I've, um, I've been pretty lucky in my mountaineering to, to not totally blow it. I think I've kind of blown it a couple of times, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, you know, whenever, whenever shit's really hit the fan, I've, I've been able to have enough of an energy reserve to get out of there, you know? Yeah. Um, but if you think about it, let's say you're somebody that's a gym, let's say you're just a bodybuilder type, right? And you diet down and get your body fat to like 3%. And then you try to go be a split border after that. And then it turns out you're out in Colorado and a blizzard ties you down for a day. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you don't have the metabolic training to get through that properly in my right. opinion. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I, I agree with you on that. And I talked to two people that one, you know, uh, Kyle Miller, I'm talking to him tomorrow. Talked about yeah. having some more insulation and more reserve and stuff. And then my good friend, Eric Frohart, retired Navy SEALs, you know, dev group, badass. They went, we, the the yeah. very first time we had coffee together, I mentioned, I like to keep one run on the mountain. Like, couple more reps in the tank just because yeah. right? and oh, yeah. that same mindset right people oh, yeah. who train to failure all the time are training for failure and i'm okay with failing yep. business projects and being an idiot but you shouldn't train <laughs> yeah no that's how i learn i fail all the freaking time ask anybody but yeah i don't think you need to train to failure right so you just right. leave some in the reserve in the tank and then you can adapt yeah. to these what's going to happen you know some weird shit's going to happen yeah. i'm going to handle it so yeah i agree with you on that for sure yeah. I'm having to learn how to uh, also pace myself too. You know, I think <laughs> when you're like Scottish and aggro, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. genetically aggro, you kind of want to crush all the time. Yeah. And uh, my really good friend, Hannah, she's, she's uh, one of my best friends. She just reminds me, she's like, you know, Russ, man, like just fucking chill, dude. Like, you know? <laughs> so she reminds me to like, go back into that zone too place rather than pushing to zone three all the time or right four you know now that makes a lot of sense <laughs> it's good to have people to remind us of that too um you know yeah. and i've learned too when i train myself i i go into uh i use was the muffetone method to like uh, 220 minus your age so for me that's like yep. yeah 41 so take away 41 from that and i try not to train much past that i mean i can't but my goal mm. is to recover right i want to recover so i will say this um research shows that you can actually break the mold of 220 minus age. Um, Please elaborate. I'm curious. Yes. And that, this is where high glycemic carbs with your high intensity training kicks in. Mm -hmm. The more, the more resources your anaerobic system has, the safer your brain feels and the more intensity your brain is going to create. So if you think about it this way, um, let's say you're driving your truck right down the highway. Mm -hmm like how much gas that engine is getting is directly correlated to how hard you're push, pushing your pedal down. Right. Mm-hmm. But let's say, let's say there was some sort of limiter switch that only allowed you to push that pedal down 80% or maybe even only 90%. You're never able to really push it down all the way. Mm-hmm. And 
that's where low carb dieting really hurts athletes. Um, and I find this stuff really interesting. Yeah. Uh, like Lance Armstrong, when he was at his peak, I think he was in his early thirties, he was still producing heart rates of like 210 beats a minute. Wow. Max heart rate, like, yeah. like raw, like raw data, like one rep maxes on mm -hmm. VO2 tests. Um, I think, um, I did a VO2 max, uh, about five, uh, fuck, five years ago now. And I produced a heart rate max of 199. And that was about, let's say nine beats faster than my predicted max. Right. Um, and then two years ago I was doing trail run and I got to a really steep section and just made the decision to sprint it and like, just give it an all out kind of one rep max, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think I got it up to like 197. Wow. So that tells me that in a couple of years, I still lost a couple beats of maximal heart rate, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's expected with the normal aging process. But, um, that, you know, like, I think also in the mountain climbing world, like in fitness and all that, like, there's so many um, pathways that people's minds get stuck into. Like if, you're oh, an endurance, yeah. if you're an endurance athlete, chances are all you do is endurance training. Mm -hmm. If you're mm -hmm. a strength athlete, chances are all you do is strength power. Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I think a, a well-balanced training approach is key. You know, one of my really good friends, uh, this, uh, dude Ian Holmes up in Canada, mm -hmm. he's a awesome, super fit dude. And he made the point of like saying, if you're going to be a big range alpinist, of course you need that aerobic base but yeah. you also need the raw strength you know so that goes into the balance concepts you know like you need to be able to generate actual force you know rather yeah. than ju just the miles so oh as you're talking about that i was trying to i had a really cool thing i was going to show you or put up <clears throat> my last vo2 max i forget what it was like we use a ge uh, bone density scanner repurposed it and we got some cool metrics you know um, cool but I don't want to misspeak and misquote stuff, and I can't find it on my computer. It's buried beneath a bunch of pictures of mountains somewhere. But <laughs> I'll pull it up next time. But that's so fascinating, and it's true. Like, yeah, train cross training, training outside of your comfort sometimes, and you know, these people like CrossFitters or whatever is get stuck in one modality, and life is not one modality. It, like, there's so much to life. I've got a lot of. Uh thoughts on crossfitters <laughs> yeah i think we both do <laughs> so i Some try of them to, are amazing athletes they really oh, are yeah Incredible i try athletes. to stay positive and say you know what whatever they do to to exercise and feel good here and in their body i'm i'm happy um i'll up the next chat which will happen sooner or later i'll pull that stats up so we can talk nerdy about that kind cool. of stuff. yeah yeah oh it's so cool to hear from you too because you know, you're, you're quite a big celebrity in the snowboard community. And, um, <laughs> very, yes, it's funny you say that. I, yeah. But you are, I don't, I don't perceive that of myself, but <laughs> kind people usually don't, you know, so that's, you're very humble about it. And I appreciate that. So let's talk about this mobile care quorum office a little bit. Like, yeah. How are you guys adapting as, as a business during this time right now? So that's, that's, you know, um, multi-hundred thousand dollar question really right yeah yeah um i think you know right now we're okay um before this 
COVID-19 situation came, you know, we, we shoot as any business does in business mm -hmm. to grow, you know, hopefully 10% a year, let's say, you know, any investor, you know, that's what you're going to shoot for. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this year we're making the decision to probably not grow. Mm -hmm. um, so far I've only had like only, um, I want to say three, three orders cancel for next year as wow. a result of this, you know, people place pre-books and then pull them back. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a volatile situation We're we're super lucky in that we're a cyclical or like, you know, annual business, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, our cash flow comes in beginning late summer and goes through the winter. And then most of the spring and summer, we're kind of in like production mode. So yeah, truthfully, like coronavirus couldn't have hit at a better time for Karakorum because we're, you know, we're not being forced to ship orders out during or, you know, being forced to not ship orders out during a pandemic. Yeah. Um, also, our retailers did end up getting the majority of their winter business done by the time this damn virus oh, came into came into the, the, the scene here. So, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for in that. I think that, you know, I, I just I really feel for a lot of people around the country. Like we're like record unemployment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think this government stimulus is definitely good but it's not going to fix a hardly anything for majority of people it's just a nice little check you know but yeah and i think it's supposed to be deposited today but we, we didn't get ours and oh, um, yeah yeah so today, today is tax day you know but i think they extended it by uh two or three months um but you know i'm glad that's going good for you guys that, that's really cool and you're right it is towards mm -hmm. the end of the season and people have bought gear and I'm glad three orders canceled. That's nothing. That is incredibly good business for you guys. Yeah. And you know, so far we're all working from home. I'm coming up on the, I think the fourth week of not going into the shop. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's, it's got its pros and cons. I think like there's a certain culture around being around your, your colleagues where you can like snap into a mode, you know, yeah, yeah. we're a cohesive group, you know, and I think so far right now we're still, pulling it off pretty well um but yeah i mean things could be worse you know i just kind of enjoy the sunshine and yeah your office is pretty freaking awesome dude <laughs> my office dude you know i got you know just my wi-fi connection and i get my my key punching done so there you go yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm glad to hear that you're right for a lot of people i i know as well restaurant industry <laughs> Um, I work in three gyms. They all close in the same day, you know? For the, oh, shit. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, writing with engagement, there's some income right there. But um, the, the very first day when everything closed for me, I was like, oh, shit. Because I, I have three gyms on purpose. So I have a backup plan and then a backup plan. And my backup plan is like in-home and stuff like that. And obviously you can't do it. Right. So the contingency plans for me all in one day, I had to pivot. So yeah, went home that night. I'm like, all right. This is crazy times, but you know what? It's crazy for everybody. And these people right. need the services. So that morning, I set up my first Zoom conference. I yeah. downloaded the software, and then made it work, right? And it's been working. Ever yeah. But a lot of people I know, yeah. that's not an option for them. And a lot of people are also mentally, 
they're, they're stuck and the, they're consuming a lot of news, they're consuming a lot of negativity in their environment. There's a lot of weeds in their environment, so to speak, and that a garden of weeds is not a healthy garden. What is it, the statistics, like 60% of Americans can't afford a $400 emergency? Mm -hmm. Something like that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think like if this pandemic had hit a much earlier version of me, let's say when I was like 22, only split boarding and living out of my truck, <laughs> like zero money in my savings account. Like mm -hmm. I'd be in, I mean, I was already going to the food bank then. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but now, now you can't even go to the food bank because you can't close all that down. So, yeah. Um, yeah, dude, I don't know. It's like a good reminder of like, shit, we got to be adults. It's time to adult behavior here and like make mm -hmm. sure you have a little bit of emergency in your savings, you know? And, yep. Um, and also like, I don't know, being a little bit of a prepper can't hurt. You know? Yes, I was hoping we got to that. Yeah, we're gear freaks, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, I get to use a bunch of fucking stoves and water purifiers now. I'm excited. Yeah. I literally made – I have three crates over there in the closet just full of – I got solar chargers. I got this. I got that, you know. And I don't need it right now, obviously. But it's, it was kind of – that first night, I kind of MacGyverized and got drunk and I was geeked out. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fucking cool, you know. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it was – That's kind of my, my, my truck. My truck's like my prepper. Exactly. You know, like, oh, if I need to get the fuck out of here, I can go. You know, the zombies are coming. Oh, you know? I get it. Our, my rooftop tent, you know, and I got my, my four-gallon solar, all my drinking water right there. I've got water purifiers. Um, got a little porch, a little awning. It's all ready to go. It's there because I, I enjoy it all the time anyways, but now my customers in it, a little, a little bit of prepping. But um, you're right. You know, and also we always have good food. We always have a bunch of sardines. We got rice. We got yeah. beans. And my wife um, – we built her a home office to work one day a week right before this happened. And so now she's works in HR for a law firm and they're not slowing down. They, everybody needs Stop. to be sued. And, uh, she, everybody needs to get sued. So. <laughs> I've been sued twice. It sucks, but oh, <laughs> I, I, I failed a lot, about. Russell. I fail a lot. I mess up and make back decisions, but, um, yeah, she's keeping busy, you know? So we're prepared with it. You know, got the computers, got the food, the dogs. We got dog food, got dogs. We're good. Yeah. yeah, I was really chuckled to hear that American gun sales have reached an all-time peak. Yeah, gun and gun and ammo. It's just like fuck's sake, guys. Seriously, <laughs> like come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've noticed, and hopefully you're noticing this in your community too. Like the neighbors, we have we have a hundred units in our complex. We live on Forest Street, and there's trees everywhere. It's beautiful. People walking their dogs. Everybody's just a little bit extra friendly now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like we got an 85 year old neighbor. She's out walking her dog. We're like, Pat, we're going to the store today. Anything? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for thinking of me. All right. Yeah. You know, yeah. real simple shit. We should all be doing this prior to this, but I think hopefully going forward, we take yeah. these, these tools and empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Wave, waving at police officers and they actually wave back, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I took a selfie with a police officer. The, ver the first Friday when shit went sideways, he was going to get whipped cream for his fiance and he's like, is this where the line begins? I was like, yeah. He's like, can you hold my, like, can we take a selfie? Like, this is crazy. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. I was like, you should probably go to the Starbucks over there and check out and just, the, you know, skip this line. This line is like, yeah. two hours. Totally. But, yeah. Everybody, we're all in this together trying to figure it all out. It's yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is a fun conversation, Russell. It's just like anytime I see <laughs> just like one hour flies by and we've covered, uh, Morbid obesity, split boarding. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. I have, yeah. I have like pretty solid ADHD. So my thoughts are always 
Oh, well, thank you. I'm having my head dances around a lot. <laughs> it's a good yeah. thing. It's all good topics. Yeah. Well, um, I was going to say on the gear, on the gearman side, gear side of things, um, mm-hmm. I was going to plug in that next year's Jones Solutions Pretty Titties. Oh, tell me more about it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've been, I've been riding the um, 2021 um, Ultra Solution and, and Ultra Craft. And mm-hmm. Ultra Craft is sick. Still the Ultra Craft, but yeah. the solution has been totally redone and, and had a really good chat with Jeremy about it. And um, I'd say, I think, I think it's the most maneuverable snowboard I've ever been on. Like, got my attention. Let's talk about You know, that. the whole industry is going to like super wide waist, mm-hmm. waist widths. And uh, solution is still remaining true to being like a narrow, big mountain board. Like 25.6 uh-huh. or something like that? With- oh, no. Solution's like, 25.4 yeah 25.5 yeah yeah um but there's taper to it now so it's a little wider into the front foot um okay. and uh it's got the 3d spoon technology Ooh. but i'd say man like uh fuck that board is so goddamn good like it just it dances yeah it just it dances like I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's powerful, but playful. And it makes you want to put your snowboard into pocket transitions and new positions that you otherwise wouldn't because you're having to plow through things. Mm-hmm. The snowboard wants to just like undulate with everything. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's a little, if I had to like uh, give a criticism of it, I'd say it's a little bit soft. Uh, yeah, a lot of tail. It's torsionally stiff, but the, mm-hmm. the stiffness tip to tail, I think, could be 10% stiffer. But, yeah. I you like I, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a heavy dude, though. So. Yeah. What's what, that? What size are you riding? Uh, the standard 61. Okay. Yeah. And you're, what, six foot? Yeah, 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, okay, we're the same yeah. weight. And 161, okay. Nine and a, I wear a 9.5 or 10 boot. Yeah, I'm 11 and a half or 12. That's why I don't usually yeah. go for the standard width. But you go like 62 wide probably, yeah. There you go, exactly. I was, I was impressed. I rode a 160 wide on the Never Summer Adam, and I was like, that's the shortest board I've ever ridden. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, short, short boards are good, man. I'd say like uh, in technical split boarding on deep, scary shit, mm-hmm. short's good. You know? Yeah. And um, this is a, another, another topic I was – I've always wanted to like chat about with people is this concept of just snowboard width or split board width. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that on really monster big days, like mostly thinking about the volcano days where, you know, like maybe you just started skinning at paradise at 11 PM and you just climb 9,000 vertical feet through the night and you're That's big at day. the top of this giant mountain you know like and the snow is just garbage you know you have like giant sun cup things or the uh high altitude ice formations you know and your legs are just fucked (laughs) yeah um one thing i found is every time i do a really huge day like that on a wide snowboard um i end up just feeling worked and i died the mountain as cleanly or safely as i would have liked to Mm -hmm. and I think it has to do with once those quadriceps are just trashed, mm-hmm. um, 
having a narrower board that requires less leverage to put on edge is a huge advantage. That's a good yeah. point. I not thought about like that. Maybe the performance side of it might not be as high. Like maybe, um, you know, I was, was, I was thinking for a long time, like go wider because you can ride steeper, steeper angles on hard yeah. snow. Not getting especially like, yeah. yeah, especially those hillside turns. Like you don't want to boot out on a hillside edge on, on hard snow. Hmm. But I'm learning that um, having more athleticism is a really huge factor for just safety and enjoyment. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely feel more athletic on a narrower snowboard. So that's just, that's just my personal plug to the industry. Like, Hey, uh, take, take no industry. The rust man has spoken. Yeah, I don't know. It's just my thought. But. <laughs> it's a great thought. No, I'm all about it. If I, I did, my feet weren't big enough to go off the edges of the boards, narrow boards, I'd ride a narrow yeah. board. Like the board behind yeah, me, yeah. it's not a wide board. Um, my friend Adam yeah. made that. I'm, I'm going to be training him and his wife in the morning via Zoom. You know, it's, it's cool that like, people in the community is like banding together and working together. But yeah, that's not wide at all. Yeah. Thank man. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, which that in Oz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Oz. Cool. And this is yeah. a custom one he put together. Uh, I think it's called the Fantasy Blaster. It's uh, cambered. It cool. holds. You'd like it a lot. Yeah. But I haven't been on Jones in like three or four years. Um, so I, I love to yeah. check out just the 3D spoon. It's pretty damn good, dude. Like, I was, uh, I had my, uh, my skeptical nature was. Sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure about it, but there's something to it, dude. It, it smooths out. What I'm noticing is at high speeds and like shit conditions, it just smooths everything out. Like, you don't have the nose of the snowboard isn't being like yanked in all these different directions by all these tiny little ice balls. Right. It's almost like, you know, like to give a uh, mountain biking analogy, like, you know, on um, modern forks, you have your like high speed compression, low speed compression, all this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, fine bump sensitivity. The, that nose of the snowboard is like this really refined suspension system. And it, it's, that's just exactly what it is. It's a tuned suspension. Yeah. You know, that's a good um, analogy. Yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. The, the, the spoon just gives you what I would use as an analogy, like fine bump sensitivity. You know, when a fork is really compliant on smaller, slower speed stuff, it gives you that little bit of softness. But then it ramps up when you lay into it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I'm so I'm, I'm going to preach it to Seth or to somebody or to Jeremy and see if we can get on one. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, Russell, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Um, I don't want to cut yeah, it short, dude. but we need to do this again in a few weeks because we have a lot more to talk about. We've covered part of what we're going to talk about, but we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I'll have Kyle on tomorrow and tell me to say hello. And um, Oh, yeah, give him a good digital titty twister for me. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll, I'll just turn yeah. in Tokyo right there. He's a good fucker, that one. <laughs> he is, man. The, the, the chat we had back in February, we actually talked for like four hours. I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm like, we, I'm talking about the winter soldier. Awesome dude. All these yeah. fascinating, totally fascinating. Uh, just like you are, you know, we, uh, we have good heart to hearts and a lot of love shared. And so yeah, it'll be a lot, a lot of fun to chat with him tomorrow. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's got a lot to say. He's an interesting dude. He's had he a lot of life experience. Yes, he has. Yeah. We talked. Totally. Yeah. Uh, we'll hope we'll double down on that tomorrow. But it's been an absolute pleasure seeing your face. Yeah, man. Love you. Give my love to Rebecca and Neptune. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> I'm Neptune. Neptune and Neptune. Here's, here's Riley. Oh, he took off because dinner's ready. He's getting my food, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I eat it. Well, uh, 
been a, been a oh, fun time. I'll, I'll put this yeah. up to you real soon and um, keep staying safe. I love you. And uh, you, bud. you're the man. Talk to you soon. Cheers, man.